This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. In 2017, the cryptocurrency Bitcoin was on a huge rally. At one point in December, its value had soared by nearly 2,000%. Just a massive run-up in prices. I mean, huge, huge run-up in prices. Paul Vigna covers cryptocurrencies. In March of 2017, the total market value of all the Bitcoin that were outstanding was about $20 billion. By December, that market value had risen to $326 billion. So that's the scale of what we're talking about here. $300 billion increase. Yes, in a year, in less than a year. As the price rose, Bitcoin went from a tech experiment to something that regular people wanted to buy. I remember one guy that I ended up talking to a lot. I think he was, he was a grandfather from Texas, I think. You know, he was a person who had worked his whole life and had made investments and had money and was looking for places to put his money, right? You want to grow your money. Started getting interested in cryptocurrencies. He bought Bitcoin. He bought a couple others. And he was very excited in most of 2017 because the price was going up and he was making money and he was talking to his friends and they had like a little club going, right? And people were coming to him saying, hey, Bitcoin, what is this? I heard about this thing. You bought it, didn't you? What should I do? So that's how it kind of starts networking out, right? One person is buying it and they start making money and they're bragging about it to their friends. And then their friends are saying, well, maybe I should buy it too. Mm, That's really interesting. This was the dominant narrative about Bitcoin. Demand grew because people were excited about it. And that's what caused prices to go up and up. But now, a new narrative is challenging that. On Monday, new research alleged that the price of Bitcoin should never have gone that high. And that the only reason it happened is because of a massive scheme orchestrated by one single account to manipulate the price of Bitcoin. Today on the show, what we know about this alleged scheme and what it says about the market for cryptocurrencies. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, November 5th. This is a story about Bitcoin. But it takes place in the world of another cryptocurrency, Tether. And Tether is a lot like Bitcoin. You have a wallet and you have an identifier for that wallet. But unlike Apple Pay, unlike a bank account, you don't have to provide any identifying information to that wallet. You're just downloading a piece of software. But Tether is different from Bitcoin in one very important way. It is basically pegged one-to-one to to the U.S. dollar. The way they maintain that peg is you give the company one dollar or however, you know, you buy a million tethers, right? You give them a million dollars. They take that money and they stick it into a reserve. So the idea is that for every tether circulating, there's a dollar sitting in a bank account somewhere. That is what maintains that one-to-one peg with the dollar. And why would people give up a dollar for a tether? 
Well, the, the initial reason was that this was designed to be something that would dampen volatility. In other words, say you have Bitcoin and you want to buy Ether. Another digital Another currency. digital currency. Both trade freely. The prices are very volatile, right? You could wake up in the morning and your Bitcoin is worth, you know, I don't know, $3,000. You could go to sleep. It's worth $1,500. The idea is that Tether maintains a set value. The value is set at $1. Part of the reason everyone uses Tether is because of that dollar-for-dollar backing. The company that makes Tether says that it only creates more of its currency when there's demand and they have dollars to back it up. So people see it as fairly stable, and many use it as a kind of base currency. They buy into Tether and then use that to buy other cryptocurrencies, largely Bitcoin. It is the main source of exchange. So in other words, about 75% of all the Bitcoin trading that gets done is in exchange for Tethers. So everybody uses Tether to buy and sell other cryptocurrencies. But in June of 2018, some research came out that raised questions about that entire model that Tether said it was using. Two academic researchers released a report which looked at how Tether was influencing the price of other cryptocurrencies. And they looked at the biggest cryptocurrency out there, Bitcoin. So they took the data, they took every single Bitcoin transaction, every single Tether transaction, downloaded it. It's about 200 gigabytes of data. You know, 200 gigs is... A lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of data. They took all that data, threw it into a spreadsheet, a gigantic spreadsheet, created some algorithms to be able to trace it effectively, and started drawing patterns, started graphing where tethers were going, where bitcoins were going. The researchers, named John Griffin and Amin Shams, cross-referenced that Bitcoin data against other cryptocurrencies and came up with a thesis. And the thesis is, okay, here's a company, Tether, saying we create Tethers in response to user demand. In other words, our price is rising because people are coming in and wanting to buy it, and that's driving up the value. Or are they creating Tethers unbacked? In other words, they're not creating tethers because they're being given money. They're just creating tethers to create tethers and put them out into the marketplace and create the illusion of demand and drive up the price. After looking at the data, the researchers found that the company's narrative, that user demand was driving the creation of new tethers, didn't tell the full story. Because their analysis revealed a weird trend in the way that new tethers were entering the market. Griffin and Shams noted that tethers were all being released on one specific marketplace called Bitfinex. So in, in 2017, in 2018, if you wanted to buy tethers, you had to go through the exchange Bitfinex. Bitfinex was the only customer of the company Tether. And Bitfinex was actually owned by the same people who owned Tether. It was essentially the same three guys. One was an American, two were Europeans. The American had a a background on Wall Street. He had worked for one of the big banks here in the U.S. But they were very opaque. They were very not transparent about who they were. The researchers also noticed the way new tethers were being released on the market was strange. You'd think there'd be a kind of randomness to the demand for them, but they saw a correlation. 
tethers were moving into the market at very specific times, the patterns showed that you didn't have money coming in from all different people at all different times and going out at all different times and to all different places. You had a very distinct pattern of tethers going specifically from the company to Bitfinex and from Bitfinex out to a couple of other exchanges. And Griffin and Shams found something else, too. What they found was that in the three hours before these events, the price of Bitcoin was generally down. Not generally down, the price of Bitcoin was always down. As soon as the tether was sent out into the marketplace, the price of Bitcoin starts going up. Which would indicate that the tethers were used to buy Bitcoin. Which would indicate that, yes, that the tethers were used to create a false impression of demand in order to drive up the price of Bitcoin, and that it worked. And so what was their conclusion? Their conclusion was that roughly half of the gains of 2017 were created via this scheme. And those gains were the time that the market went from 20 billion to 320 odd billion. Yes. Which is a $300 billion increase. So half of that would be? About $150 billion. They're saying about $150 billion worth of the increase in Bitcoin was created via this scheme to make it appear like there was more demand in Bitcoin than there actually was. They conclude that, indeed, a lot of Tether was being used to manipulate the market. All of this research pointed to possible currency manipulation. In other words that the company behind Tether was producing the currency with the sole goal of pushing up the price of Bitcoin. Tether and Bitfinex disputed the findings of the research. They said the research lacked academic rigor and had no merit at all. It wasn't just academic researchers who were starting to scrutinize this currency that was so central to the entire world of crypto. Regulators in the U.S. were investigating, too. And they were finding more troubling things behind the scenes. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients like 99% pure melatonin to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. Welcome back. In the spring of 2019, several months after researchers first laid out their theory about manipulation in the Bitcoin market, the New York Attorney General's office announced it was investigating Tether and Bitfinex. The investigation dug into the very question which a lot of people already had about Tether. 
Did the company have the cash reserves to back up all the tether in circulation? The company, Tether, says we have this money sitting in bank accounts and we keep it there. They have been, over the years, consistently asked to provide some proof that they are actually doing this. And they were never doing it. And it was always fueling these doubts. And the New York Attorney General's investigation may be sharpening those doubts. Because according to the investigation, Tether had secretly transferred a huge amount of cash to its sister company, Bitfinex. The cash transfer came after a totally separate issue that Bitfinex had run into. Bitfinex loses access to $850 million of its customers' money. And according to the attorney general's investigation, how did that happen? Bitfinex starts using this third-party payments processor, and they put a lot of money with them. At one point, they had at least $850 million sitting in bank accounts controlled by this payments processor. The payments processor in 2018 gets raided by law enforcement in the United States, Poland, and Portugal. They have bank accounts in all those countries. The bank accounts are seized. Meaning that law enforcement took control of those accounts owned by Bitfinex, which posed a problem. Bitfinex has an $850 million hole in its balance sheet. It just loses this money. Hasn't gotten it back yet. What do they do? They don't tell anybody about it. They don't disclose it publicly. They raid the Tether Reserve. They take $900 million out of the Tether Reserve and give it to Bitfinex. And that's what the New York Attorney General's office is alleging? Yes. After this came out, Bitfinex put out a statement that argued that the Attorney General's filings were, quote, written in bad faith and riddled with false assertions. And Bitfinex characterized them as an overreach. The company moved to dismiss the attorney general's court order. In the attorney general's investigation, there were some other revelations. One was that Tether actually had had a ton of cash, just as they'd assured their users. But now that they'd given so much of the cash to Bitfinex, they didn't actually have that one-to-one ratio of dollars to Tethers. If the dollar backing isn't there... Are they creating, you know, like people always complain that the Fed's creating money out of thin air. Is Tether and Bitfinex creating money out of thin air? That's the question. That's the real question. If they are, then combined with that earlier research about how there were weird patterns of Tethers moving around the marketplace, that all could point to the question, were Tethers created without backing for questionable purposes? And then yesterday... Those same researchers, John Griffin and Amin Shams, released another paper. The new paper says that this scheme was being orchestrated by one entity. That's from analyzing the blockchain, from analyzing the flow of Tether, the flow of Bitcoin, the exchange between them. And if you look at, you know, and again, we're talking about millions and millions of transactions. But what they did was they looked for common pathways. And they eventually found that there were a lot of them. And what they found was that there were so many of them going through a single account on Bitfinex that they concluded one person had to be controlling that flow. So one person or one account, one entity, one entity. was responsible for all of that alleged market manipulation. 
Yes. $150 billion worth. Basically. That's the conclusion. That's the conclusion. Do we know who's behind that entity? We don't know definitively who is behind the entity. Um, what do the researchers what, what, say? What John told me is that, and I want to make sure that this, the quote in my story is, if it's not Bitfinex, it is somebody that Bitfinex did a lot of business with. So basically, you're talking about an account that was about 25% of all the Bitcoin volume on their exchange. It was a major, gigantic account. So I think it was about half of all the tethers flowing through this account, 25% of all the Bitcoin trading is going through. I mean, this was something, there's no way they wouldn't have noticed it or known about it going on, is what John Griffin is saying. So either it's a company account that Bifinex controlled, or he's saying it's an account that they knew who it was and they were allowing it to happen. Does Griffin say that Bitfinex was involved in this alleged price manipulation scheme? I mean, he, he 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 comes within about two hairs of saying that it was Bitfinex. I mean, again, go back to what we were saying before. The transactions are public. The identities aren't. So it's not like this account we're talking about somewhere there is a record of who opened it, when they opened it, who they are, their social security number, their address, their phone number, their Facebook account. You know, there's none of that identifying information attached to it. So you can't say definitively who owns that account. What did Bitfinex say about the account? Bitfinex adamantly disputed the report's findings. They said that it lacked academic rigor. They called it foundationally flawed. Uh, they had a couple of not quite nice things to say about the professor himself. For the most part, crypto Twitter has responded the same way Bitfinex responded. Uh, they have been completely dismissive. They have ripped the report. They have ripped the reporters. <laughs> they have, uh, they're, they're not buying it. So what does all of this say about cryptocurrency markets? What this says about cryptocurrency markets in general is that you don't know who you're trading with. You don't know who is on the other side of it. You don't know who the brokers are. You don't know who's running these exchanges. You don't know if the trades are legitimate. You don't know if the price is being manipulated or not being manipulated. So if there was market manipulation here, would oversight have stopped it? Probably. I mean, almost certainly. It, you know, look, you have insider trading on Wall Street. Anytime you're dealing with a trade of value, someone's going to be trying to corner that market, and somebody else is probably going to be trying to cheat that market. You have price fixing in LIBOR. I mean, you know, you, you have market manipulation in regulated exchanges. Regulation doesn't stop 100% of that. But would regulation in the cryptocurrency market result in a much more transparent and trustworthy marketplace? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. If the allegations in this research that there was market manipulation, if they're true, who was harmed? The adrenaline junkies, the gambling junkies, the people that love Bitcoin for what it is, they're not harmed. They make some money, they lose some money. None of it's real to them to begin with. They just pick themselves up and start trading again. They don't care. The people who were harmed were people who went into their bank and took out dollars and went and bought Bitcoin on an exchange because they thought this was the future, and they lost it. And there are plenty of stories like that. People who got snookered, who got taken in. Those people lost real money, and they were cheated out of that money.
That's all for today, Tuesday, November 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. See you tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for listening.